What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Running and Gunning Podcast with your host, Justin Sinan. Unfortunately, Logan is not here with us tonight. Uh, he has completely lost his voice, and uh, we figured it was best if he just held this one out. But I'm pumped to talk to you guys tonight. Uh, we got Rendell Eric on. We've been trying to have him on the past couple weeks, um, but he's just been busy and stuff's been going on, you know, how life is for all of us. But uh, how you doing, I'm Randall? I'm doing pretty good. Just sitting in this blizzard right now. How about you? Oh, I, dude, I'm doing the same. Hopefully, uh, the power doesn't cut out midway through this because it's uh it's pretty gnarly here in Kentucky. I don't think uh I don't think the locals around here are ready for these negative temperatures. But um, we're gonna make through. We're gonna yeah, make it's it. Negative forty wind chill up here in Iowa right now. It's pretty crazy. Woo. Damn, that's yeah, that's pretty brutal, man. You've been out hunting in this yeah, stuff? Yeah, I've been out a little bit, <laughs> messing around in this, testing out some gear and seeing if uh, getting some cameras up, getting ready for my last push of the year for this late season. Heck yeah, man. For those of you guys that don't know Rendell, um, me and him met actually like this summer at the Mobile Hunter Roadshow. Uh, I was just sitting there. We were listening to uh, one of the podcasts that the guys were doing at the show, and I was like, "Hey, you look familiar. Are you Rendell?" And he was like, "Yeah. Are you? Uh, are you Justin? Just, just totally cool, man. Like you're one of the one of the nicest guys I've met. Like you know, in the hunting industry, uh, super welcoming. And and uh, man, I've really walked away with a ton of information just from you and I sitting there bullshitting and uh, poking fun at people here and there that were uh, they were there at the show, but. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself for those guys out there that don't know you? And uh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a good conversation this evening. Yeah, my name's Rendell Eric. I'm originally from the South, but I moved to Iowa just to deer hunt. Um, I'm a public land mobile hunter. I mostly use the saddle. I ha- I do some tree stand stuff too, but I prefer the saddle. I've killed some really big bucks on public land. I'm more of a bed hunter i would say early season guy but i'm trying to be as well-rounded as i can learn all the different terrain types all the different trades so i'd rather be a well-rounded hunter i like the challenge like to do extreme stuff um i'm a school teacher so i'm really good at teaching people things and and taking data and knowledge and applying it in the field and yeah i just love to hunt and i love just to talk to dudes, help dudes out, meet people. The camaraderie of hunting has really been a big thing for me as I get older. And I just love it all, man. It's a blast to just get out there in the woods. It's a blessing, man. Oh, absolutely, man. That's That was actually excellent. I know uh, we were talking earlier and you were kind of wondering uh, how you were going to do the intro, but dude, you killed it. That was, that was spot on. And Rendell is uh, absolutely... I don't know. I mean, he kind of makes me feel bad sometimes because I'll talk to him and uh, we keep in touch every once in a while on text. And he's like, well, man, I got a two mile walk out tonight. And, uh, you know, it's like five degrees out. And I'm like, holy crap. Like you, you are, dude, you're very dedicated. Um, I know like this year has been kind of a, a struggle for you. I mean, I know a lot of guys have, it's been really tough and I know you've had plenty of opportunities at good deer, but uh, you really do try to capitalize on great deer. So I think uh, you're an excellent guest for our podcast, you know, with what you're trying to do. this, We started this whole thing to try and help people 
um, get into mobile hunting and try to grow like their knowledge in this stuff and, and grow our knowledge as well. So I feel like, you know, you fit the bill to the T, but I want to, I wanted to ask you, you know, like when you first got into saddle hunting, how did that come about? Um, was it a friend or is it just like kind of the end thing, you know, a few years ago when it was getting started and you gravitated towards it? I actually just started watching, uh, the hunting public on YouTube a lot and they were got big into the saddles right away and um i'm six foot eight so when i'm sitting in the tree stand my knees are usually above my waist and it really messes with my sciatic nerves a lot and then i'm always moving around a bunch Mm -hmm. having to sit up like stand up sit down stand up sit down but i don't really like standing a bunch in the tree stand i'm more just i like to stay perfectly still sitting down and then just draw straight back and shoot the deer but when you're six eight, it's really hard to do, and it just messes with my back a bunch. And I wanted to try to saddle out because it seemed like it, was, you know, a dist- distribution of weights a lot different in the saddle, and it it actually really helps me out. Like I don't have that back pain anymore. Saddle shape is a thing. Like yep. your body will be sore, but it's it's like different muscle groups that your body uses when you're saddle hunting. But after you do it for like a week or so, you know, for a couple hours sits in the evening, then your body gets adjusted to it. Kind of like going to the gym, you know, for a week or two when you first start out. Mm-hmm. So you, you just got to give it time, but it just really helped me out. I stay a lot stiller. I can stay in a tree longer. I don't feel like I got run over by a dump truck every time I come out of the woods. Oh, I, I agree with that a hundred percent, man. I mean, I like sitting in stands every once in a while too. Like, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong, but I really do notice, uh, like my lower lumbar, like, if I'm in a stand, I feel like it, it's a lot more sore. And for me, I can put in a lot longer hours and I'm way more comfortable in the saddle, especially, you know, using a back band. Are you a more of a, you're more of a leaner, right? You don't really, do you lean into the tree or are you more of a standard? I lean away from the tree way out the, pretty much the whole time. I developed kind of my own system for yeah. that. A lot of guys actually hide behind the tree saddle hunting, but I don't. I side saddle the tree, and I lean way out because I'm so tall. Okay. I took a lot of videos of me in different types of trees, and I pretty much just look like one big branch hanging out there. And I hold my bow the whole time. Yeah. And I'm hunting bedding, so I'm picking that one or two trails I think that buck's going to exit on. So I already know where the buck's coming from, where to blow my wind, and then I'm holding the bow. All I got to do is draw straight back and shoot the buck like I did last season. I shot that 175 at like five yards. He came right at me the whole time. Never knew I was there. And I was only went nine foot off the ground. So I hunt yeah. really low. Did, were you able to, were you able to see him in his bed or were you like just set up? Was it kind of like a ridge system? It was in a marsh, like swamp, marshy type terrain. He was out in like a, he was in like yeah. a bay with tall grass. I knew he was out there. I just didn't know exactly where. I did see him stand up, but I couldn't see his rack because it was too tall to see until he got up off his feet. And then he came straight into me, like just on a beeline. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's one thing I really want to put in my, uh, you know, I guess if you want to call it like my you know, repertoire or like kind of my system. I've always wanted to know exactly where a buck was bedded at and go set up on him. I haven't really, hasn't worked out for me. I found plenty of buck beds and yeah. stuff like that, but I haven't been able to, to go set up and like watch him come right out of his bed and get, 
My last buck, actually, I mean, I pretty much knew that he was bedded where he was. I just didn't yeah. know specifically, like, what what his bed was. I just knew he I was I mean, it's all out. luck of the draw. I mean, you do all but, that postseason scouting, you find all yeah. the beds, and then they usually only have, like, three exits. So, I mean, you got, like, a 30, 33% much. chance he's coming to you. But, if, but he's got to be right. there because sometimes he never shows up. Maybe you made too much noise. He's seen you come in. The wind did something funny, or maybe he just yeah. wasn't there, and you just feel like a dummy because you just wasted all of it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you and I both know. I mean, like for you, I, I always approach like my season as like, hey, I might only get one yeah. or two opportunities at like within bow range of a mature buck. Um, most of the time, like it doesn't happen, but it's like you just keep stacking odds in your favor till it actually comes together. I mean. When you like explain to us how you your approach um, goes on is like in this season. I know, you know, you're gonna have different strategies throughout the year. But like, what's your approach for finding like these bigger deer that you are able to target? I mean, I do a lot of my finding my big bucks starts all right when the season ends. I'm right out there postseason scouting as much as I can all spring up until about turkey season. Then I kind of switch gears on the turkey hunting, but. So I'm doing that. I'm finding all yeah. the buck beds, all the signs from last year. Crop rotation will influence it, but if you're doing your postseason scouting every year, like next year when it switches back, all that postseason scouting I did last year, I can check all those areas again that were hot because they'll have the same crops in there. And then like all the postseason yeah. I do this year will probably be mostly for you know two year two seasons from now, but. You can sometimes, they'll still be in the area. They'll just make, like, micro adjustments, too. So I'm on that, postseason scouting. Mm -hmm. And then I don't do a whole ton of summer scouting because it's hard to see what you need to see. But I will mess around with, like, maybe some new properties that pop in, like, late. Some of the IHAP stuff, the new ones don't open until, like, late summer. Then you can pop in real quick and speed scout them. And then I'm just running trail cameras. Um, not super early in the summer because you can't tell what the bucks are going to be. But later into the summer, I'm running trail cameras and just checking on that. And just after you find so many mature buck beds, you kind of know if you analyze where he's at, you can look at the terrain type, what he has around him, how he's set up, what wind. And then you can start applying that to other properties and places you see on the map. Then once you've done it for a couple of years, you just got that experience. Like a lot of times I can just look on a map and just yeah. point in a general area and be like, okay, this one, there, there should be a buck here. I don't know if he's going to be huge or not, but then you go in there. Right. Yeah. Then I'll no. go in there boots on the ground, do my scouting. And then, Hey, you might be there. It might not. I do a lot of that, a lot out of state. Cause a lot of times you can't do a lot of postseason scouting out of state. And that's where we roll into after you check your camera season opens, I'm big. I'm more and more putting emphasis on in-season scouting cannot be beat. Almost, I'd say it trumps postseason scouting. You might not go into the bedding area yeah. in-season, so it's good good to know postseason because I know how the bedding areas lay out. So that's really important. But in-season, yep. when I start hitting those scrapes and those big rubs and I see the tracks, I'm like, all right, there's a big buck here, or I get one on camera. 
and I look at the wind he's on that camera on, what time of day he's on, so I know how far he's traveling. I can be like, oh, well, I was in this bedding area right here, and there was two beds, boom, boom, boom. And then you use that data right there to set up on him. You pretty much have the whole puzzle almost already done. Then you just got to pick the right wind, the right time, and be there when he's there and close it, which is not easy to do. I mean, it sounds easy, but it's it's not at all. No. I mean... Don't, don't you, yeah, don't you love it? I've, I've said that so many times, man. It's like, we can talk about this and then it's like, why does it just seem impossible yeah. sometimes? But then other times, man, it's like, it all just comes together. It like, I will you know, say this, the, the snap those of a mature finger, it's bucks, like, when you lay in that buck bed and you have that light bulb oh, moment, yeah. when you say, how the hell am I ever going to kill this buck? That's it. That's, that's when you know so, it's a mature buck right. bed. Cause the mature buck always has the best bedding. And it's usually the hardest bed to hunt. And then that's where the game, the chess match starts. And that's why it's so hard to kill them because it's like, you can't, they'll see you coming. They're going to smell you. They're only there on that wind and he's got the upper hand. It's, it's pretty hard, even though it seems really simple when you think about it in your mind. Yeah. I remember when we were talking in the summertime, man, you gave me an awesome app to use that I've really liked, and it helped me a ton this year scouting. It was yeah. uh, CalTopo. Um, you showed me you showed me like the uh, the lighted uh, the light shaded areas that can really like capitalize on where yeah, the thermals the are at relief. or uh, the angle. Yeah, yeah, the shaded relief, the steepness of um, the terrain it shades. Man. Yeah. For here in Kentucky, like in some of the like properties the public that i was hunting around the lake it was like almost like a light bulb like it would go off and i'd be like well that's right where i would bed you know that's where if i was a mature deer and damn if i don't go there and scout it and i'll find a buck bed right there um just wasn't wasn't the caliber deer that was pretty much this year was the biggest struggle for me finding the caliber of deer i wanted no i agree Um, i think this year was one of the hardest years i've had finding big bucks and i don't i don't know if the drought because sometimes the drought can affect antler growth they can lose like 10 to 20 inches of antler growth in a season because of really drought conditions if we had like some isolated ehd if the gun hunters wiped out a ton of these bucks last year because i had a ton of bucks like 15 bucks plus that were like 150 and up last year and then this year i had five maybe that i found so it could, wow it could yeah oh and that and we see so many of these other guys that are you know killers yeah. that are struggling too i mean i i feel super lucky for you know i think my buck that i killed was just on a hot dough and i was able like you had just mentioned like scouting in the postseason and finding what bedding areas are there and then just hunting and seeing how these deer transition it's like okay, well, I know there's a really thick bedding area right there and I've got food here. So when you do kind of see stuff go down and you have that knowledge in the back of your head, you're like, all right, well, you know, obviously if he came into here midday, then he's probably going to bed over here. Cause I mean, I don't see, see why he would go far away unless he's just strictly on a hot dough, but it's just a prime example. It just backs up exactly what you were saying. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, for where you're at in the season right now, um, with it being so late, I mean, 
I know we just talked about, you know, some of these guys, you know, struggling. I mean, what are you kind of doing to keep your head in the game? I mean, where's your where's your mindset at right now? I know it was really tough for me. I mean, I kind of felt like, is this ever going to happen? You know, like we're just hunting our asses <laughs> off and scouting so much. And it's like, you know you deserve it, but it's like the deer don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, they you don't know? care, man. They um, don't. No. I mean... <laughs> I feel like for me, it's just stripping it back down to just having fun, man. Like trying not yeah. to overcloud your mind with all the overthinking about betting areas, where he's going to be and where did he get shot or not? You start freaking out about eating tag soup. You know, you start worrying about what people are going to think about you. You know, you start getting down on yourself. I think it just boils down to like, you ain't got nothing to prove. It's between you and the deer. You're yep. blessed to even be out in the woods, man, because a lot of people don't even get that chance. Um, you chase some big bucks all season. You learned. I learned a ton, man. Like, I learned so much. Oh yeah, from just not absolutely. Out early because I just started. I just kept hunting hard as hell. So it was like, man, I just learned so much about mature bucks because I got locked in on those couple giants that I was chasing, and it was like a totally different type of terrain for me. It was like one of the hardest types of terrain I've ever hunted. And those bucks just took me to the mill, man. Like, they kicked my ass. But I learned a lot. So I feel like if I had it to do over Look, again, like, if it's, if they were there again next year, like, you know, I'd be kicking their ass, hopefully, anyways. But you never know, I mean. But yeah. I learned a ton. And it just goes back to having fun, man. Late season, like, late season yes, muzzleloader came in, so I'm going to do muzzleloader hunting i'll have a tag for that and i still have a bow tag so i'll try to fill my muzzleloader first and then my bow but i might actually just take both at the same time sometimes because if the buck's really close i can smoke them with the bow and then i still got the muzzleloader tag and not waste it on a buck that's 30 yards away but yeah i think just having fun and not caring man and just going out there and just hunting like it's a challenge i'm gonna Absolutely. learn I mean, I'm usually tagged out by now, yep. so I'm not messing around late. So it's just a learning experience. Bed to food. That's all. I mean, it's going to be pretty simple. Yep. It goes back to almost like I'm early season hunting again. But you just got to deal with the weather and all the gun seasons came in. Deer got pushed all off public land. So it goes down to scouting. You're going to have to get out there and you're going to have to put boots on the ground and start looking at food sources trying to find some crops that are still left standing on public maybe or they got some overspray you need to start looking at other food sources that aren't ag like uh honey locusts and different browse types duck potato acorns that got left over you just really got to start getting out there in the morning and because when you're moving out there it does it's not really cold at all honestly like you're moving you generate body heat yeah it's when you're sitting <laughs> when it's you know, 10 below right. zero and then it gets cold, but just getting out there, man, and getting the intel right. and trying to find the food sources. And a lot of guys are hung up on hunting field edges again, like that. Yep. And no, I, I yeah. totally disagree right now is the time you dive into some Let's briar go. patch yeah. and I've had a lot, I've had a lot of good success. Like I haven't killed a giant like super late in the year. Um, I've, I've thrown an arrow at a few of them though. And honestly, like hunting them really thick areas, like those yeah. big deer love those briars and you'll see them. Move well, they want to hide. I mean, I wish yeah. we had snow, but 
I mean, it's it's great hunting that kind of stuff when it's snowing, man, because you can yeah, see them from so far here, away. So when I start hunting this weekend, it's going to be good. Um, was yeah, yeah. They like they just got pushed around by guns for a couple of weeks, so they're going to find those thick honey holes that they're going to tuck into. The cold weather is going to group them up. It's going to be harder to find deer, but once you find them, it's going to be a ton of deer together. Finding yes. that hot food source if you right. get the snow just drive roads and look for tracks you can fly into public land fields and just look if there's no tracks get the hell out of there because there ain't no there ain't no deer there so that helps a bunch um right you still got my i a lot of guys talk about these yearlings coming into heat which is possible but i don't rely on that i'd rather rely on the bed to food pattern but i i do think the colder The colder, the better. It's going to force those deer up to feed because they got to live. But they're not going to be crazy. Like like right now when there's 50-mile-an-hour wind, a buck's not going to want to go out in the open field and get hammered by 50-mile-an-hour wind. He's probably going to be bedded up, you know, for a day or two. So you can do a lot of scouting yeah, or, you know, push back into bedding. I'd rather catch the buck coming to food in between his bed and the food because a lot of them are still nocturnal on the trail cameras ton of deer out in fields but most of them are what most of them are does or they're little bucks still all your big mature bucks are mostly nocturnal that's not everybody's situation i mean guys that have private land and they might have some unpressured public but most of the public land your mature deer are still nocturnal right now after gun season's pushed them around yeah do you guys get a ton of pressure like early in the year i know like you know for i obviously i was super sought after do you notice a lot of like uh you know non-resident hunting like just all season does a lot a lot of the public around there get hammered like all years and more like it's typical like any state the first two weeks of november just get blasted um i did i did notice a little uptick on early season, but I think that's just because a lot of big time killers got a lot of information out there about, you know, hunting early. Yeah. I'd rather early. come out of the gate yeah. and, you know, kill everybody's bucks before they get out there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> dude, absolutely. That's, that's my goal, man. Straight up after having the, the year I had this year, I think it made me really want to yeah. push that much harder to kill one early just to get it out of the way. And then like, I'd rather spend, my November hunting yeah, another agree. state personally. Like, I mean, we, we live in Kentucky. Everybody travels here to hunt early. And, I mean, it sucks, honestly, because, like, yeah. a lot of times it is hot as shit. It's super hot and muggy and the yeah. mosquitoes are bad. But, I mean, I'll do anything to kill a giant deer. But I just – I haven't been able to find the caliber of buck I want really, like, early. I was in bat, Missouri so early, and it was, like, 100 think, degrees, like you said. And it was, uh, yeah. it takes you a, a little bit. I say, if you're in your home state, you got to advantage. But if you're hunting out of state early, it takes you about five, I think about five days to really get it figured out and yeah. get on. Them. Well, look at Jace Allen, man. I mean, that dude smoked a freaking monster and it took him, I think, what, like three weeks yeah. to kill that deer on public? I mean, that's, that's yeah, hardcore, but, man. Uh, Jason Hunter, we, man, uh, they got to hunt all season ahead. and then not work, so I don't feel sorry for them at no all. No shit. I'm like, whatever, man, I'm <laughs> jealous. If I had yeah. all that time, I would have tagged out. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Hell yeah. 
Hell yeah. Dude, they're both some badasses. Dude, man, I got to give it to them. Jace was so cool, too. He was just, he's so much like you, man. Just like super down to earth, you know. Like, that's, those are really the kind of guys I gravitate to. I mean, like, we all know, like, you know, you kill big deer. And, some, you know, there's some people, I'm not going to throw names, but, like, there's people out there that walk around with, like, yeah. their chest out. And it's like, like, whatever, man. Like, you know, to each their own. But I just enjoy hunting. I love it. I'd do it, like, regardless of what anybody was out there, you know, saying or what anybody's doing. I'm doing this just because I love it. I mean, I, I like doing this podcast, and it brings me, it gets me to connect with people like yourself, and, yeah, you know, man, I really too. enjoy I, it. I just like but um, talking to people. I learn a lot. I can help people out. Yeah. Like, when I started hunting, like, I never had a mentor. Like, my family didn't teach me how to hunt. I pretty much learned how to do this crap on my own, so it's like, I just want to be that gateway, yeah. like, Man, it was a struggle bus, dude, the way I did it. I did it, like, old school, man, super hardcore. You, man, you, I made so many mistakes. I could have had so many more big bucks on the wall if I had someone that oh, yeah. knew what they were doing. I could have, too. My dad my dad got me into hunting, um, but honestly, like, I kind of took off on the big buck hunting, um, you know, and it was all the same way for you, like, had you experienced. I mean... I did a lot of mobile hunting starting yeah. off like with a climber and then I would get a ghillie suit and I would go hop into these thick bedding areas with a ghillie. And dude, if I would have, you know, I was a total dumbass doing all this, but, but I understood, I understood checking the wind and I'd work my way into these areas and I would just get on these huge deer, like for where we were at. And I just wasn't skilled enough as like a uh, archer at I the got time, into but it. Man, the I Primus wish. I mean, DVDs and like TV shows, and you know they're they're all yeah. hunting outfitters and game ranches and all that. And you think that's reality, man? Then you're like, oh, I'm just gonna go out here and sit on the field edge, man. And you go out there and you just get <laughs> your ass yeah. kicked, you know, day after day, and it just pissed me off so right. much, man. I was like, almost quit hunting, dude. And then I found the underground. that's like, you know, the mobile guys like Andre and dan and all the other dudes that mobile hunt like years ago and then i started doing it before it was cool like i was dude i was carrying like some insane crap man to go in there and mobile hunt like the giant like river edge or like the bone collect walmart crap right this super super heavy metal stands with the long like you know long sticks that are clanky as crap yeah dude the climber I just always gravitated yeah. to the climber when we, when I I don't know if you knew or not, but I I actually oh, grew okay. up in Maryland and I've recently moved out here to Kentucky. So in Maryland, we had a lot of like big oaks, and it was most of the woods I would go into. You could find a good tree to get into that was like relatively straight. You know, yeah. maybe I'd cut a limb or two, but that's how I always stayed mobile. And then I just kind of had fun with the ghillie. Like it was it was exciting to me because I would have deer like come right up to me and I just never, you know, really got to experience that any other way. But how did you, uh, how did you actually get started in hunting? Like, did your dad get you? Uh, into my dad it, was or? mostly like into fishing, huge fishermen, like bass fishing and stuff. Yeah. And I did a bunch of that when I was younger. I don't really know, man. <laughs> I just kind of got into it. Like, yeah. Just got bit by the bug. Yeah, like, Hey, mostly, I want to try that. I mean, I was raised on my grandparents' farm, and there was always deer out. Like, we had a 
had a farm in West Virginia. I went to a lot when I was older and then like down in Tennessee and I, my dad was a Marine. So I moved around a bunch of different places and I don't, it was just something okay. different than fishing. And I was kind of like, I don't know. My dad took me like squirrel hunting, like one, two times. And you know, other guys around that fishing thing they hunted too. And then, it was kind of around that time that hunting got super popular, you know, on TV and stuff when I was younger. And then that first when the yeah. industry was really taking off into the whatever, the big money industry it is now. So I kind of got into that. But I had, like, right. I don't know, recurve when I was a kid and all that crap. But I don't know. It's just something I got into. Got in the, I started watching all those, like, Primo's DVDs and stuff. And then as I got older, I yeah. just got way more into it. It was just something different, like something I could do on my own, like a challenge. Yeah. It's just, I was trying trying to explain to, to some, like a non-hunter the other day that like kind of wanted to, they wanted to get into it. And I was like, it's honestly, it's something yeah. you really kind of need a mentor for. Because um, like, you know, I just got my friend's son his first year this year. And they live, you know, in Maryland, where I'm actually, fr where I'm originally from. And they're like, hey, man, we got deer in our backyard. Like, you think we can shoot them? And I'm like, sure, but, like, are you going to gut it? Well, they can do that at the processor, right? And I'm like, no, they're not going to gut your deer. And he's like, well, I'm like, what are you going to do? Are you going to, like, you don't even have a truck. How are you going to, you know, do it? He's like, man, I didn't think about all this. I'm like, you, like really, you yeah. do. You need a lot of shit. I mean, you need... Or just somebody to help you, you know, or somebody there to guide you along the way. And it's, it's kind of, it's kind of one of those things like, you know, when people ask, Oh, how'd you get into hunting? And usually there's somebody that was like there. I, I went to like, I don't know, but, man, archery shops, talk to people. I watched like DVDs. I read books like the super old whitetail books. VH, I mean like VHS yeah. stuff, dude, like old school, man. Oh, dude, I remember. My dad had all them old, like, Monster yeah. Buck movies and stuff. You know what's so cool, too? Like, if you go back and look at that stuff when we grew up, like, and you're watching them, <clears throat> like, they're really, like, the class of deer has just evolved oh, yeah. so much. Yeah. Like, to now, it's like, people don't even care about seeing, like, a 150 or a 160. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like, they do, but it's like, you know, they're <laughs> like, oh, cool. Like, it's a good deer, but... Yeah, am yeah, I wrong? Like it's sad. Like, it's like if you're like I don't in Michigan, know. man, that's like a yeah. ultimate booner, or you're down right, in Alabama right. or something. But if you're in Iowa, dude, I'm passing a 150 like every day almost. Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn, that would be nice, dude. Uh, that would dude. be really nice. I mean, I feel I'm super happy with my deer, and I'm like, I look at him and I scored him, and I'm like. Dude, I can't wait to, like, get my hands on, like, a 170 or a 180. Yeah, like, I know I'm going to do it. It's just, like, it just, like, blows my mind how much gotta bigger be, they are. You, you know? got to be in the right mental state that you're probably going to eat some tags, man, if you're chasing a 180. To kill a 180, yeah. you know, like a 170 plus every year is, like, even on public, dude, it's, like, the ultimate. That is, like, the hardest freaking thing to ever do, man, to be consistent and do it year in and year out i mean you're gonna have years where you're just not gonna tag anything and yeah. it's not like you're not seeing deer it's because i've seen a lot of good deer i just you can't kill a 170 if you're shooting a 140 or 150 you know yeah 
And sometimes yeah, you I bite it, yourself, man. Man, you kick yourself That's... in the ass like now, dude, when it's late season. You're like, oh, man, yeah. maybe I should have shot those couple of bucks you had an opportunity on, you know. But then it's like, but I was in the game with, you know, a true giant, man, like, you know, 180. That, dude, if I would have got yeah. him, man, it would have been amazing, dude, just the thrill. But, you know, you shoot a 150, dude, you feel the same way, man. I think any any deer with a bow is a yeah. – as a trophy, but some of the some of those oh, upper sure. echelon bucks, man, are just something. It's just a little bit more special, I think. Yeah, I did a lot of mental prep this year. Like I, I was after a buck that that got yeah. killed. I know, I like we had talked about him. Um, and dude, just the like the mental mindset of like preparing myself to draw back on that deer. I was like, damn, like. I really feel like that kind of helped elevate me a little bit because I was like, dude, if if a 170 or 180 walks in, like I'm gonna kill it. Like there ain't no doubt. But it's just finding like that deer around here. Like I know, I know I'm in the right area for that caliber of deer. It's just they're not around yeah. every corner here. You know, like you really have to put in your effort. And I, I've come to come to respect a lot of like these guys because I think like social media kind of ruins it. Because you see so many of these, like, 170s and 180s getting killed that you almost, like, think that it's, like, yeah. a regular, like, a normal thing. But you don't account for how much work goes into, like, killing those deer. And until you're actually at that yeah, point. Yeah, and not all you of know, them you know are what I'm saying? the same circumstances either. Some guys are hunting a private farm yes. with food plots and a box blind. Another guy's on a lease. And you got another guy that's just straight up grinding it on public. I mean, there's all different types of, so you got to really watch to see who you're looking at. They post stuff. Cause it can oh, be yeah. like, Oh man, you know where it's, Whoa, well, the guy's on a damn private farm with box blinds, you know, it's like, I can't compete with that. I'm a damn public land mobile guy, you know? Right. Right. No, I I, mean, I couldn't agree more, man. And that's that's where I'm saying about, like, I guess my point was, like, the guys yeah. that are doing more of the public stuff. Because that's I, – I scouted more public this year than I ever have my entire life, and I didn't even turn up a buck yeah. over 140, you know. And it's like – it just blows my mind, like, how much effort goes in. And maybe I'm just not in the right, looking in the right areas, and I'm yeah, supposed to learn from it. But I, I know that yeah. they're killed around the areas that I'm looking, so it's like, what you well, know, you're, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. I mean, wrong. I mean, switch it up and try to figure out what you're not doing. Right. Maybe you're not. Maybe yeah. you're looking too hard. I've noticed this year. I'll give you. Yeah. A tidbit. This year, I noticed all the bigger bucks were in some of the dumbest spots I've ever found. Man, like wide open, right by the road, parking really? lots. I'm like, dude. Because I feel like no everyone's going deep this year, man. Every time I went deep, like two miles, I found cameras. Yeah. I found uh, like trees that were prepped, people. But, dude, I'd bounce right off to the parking lot, man, and nobody would ever be there. And then I found the deer there. It's almost like they pushed them out towards the edges, and then guys were walking past them. And the mature bucks, yeah. he's going to set up a lot of times where he can watch the parking lots. That's how I get on a lot of these deer is – they're they're usually watching the access somehow you, you know you get those really smart ones and then i find them right there yeah. i found a bunch of bucks in missouri doing that iowa anywhere i went they seem to be really pushed out like on the edges this year like just stupid man like that giant 
like 180 buck I was chasing around. It was the hardest terrain because it was wide open. It was almost like I was hunting out west. And they could see forever, man. Really? And they were just in these little indentions, like these little drainage ditches. And then... Yep. That's what you pointed out to me in, in the summertime, too. You were like, look, like, here's exactly right where he was going to come yeah. into that field or, like, right where he's going to access the top of that ridge and... I've learned a lot from that. I mean, I started applying that, and it, yeah, I found it's, these two on. monster. That one monster is another really good buck with him, like a ten pointer that was not as big, but I would have shot him still anyways. And they were both running these drainage ditches, just out in this open ag, and they just and they wouldn't even bed almost down in the drainage so you could get on them. They'd be like right on the edge of the drainage, look watching. Man, it was so tough, dude. I got blew up a lot, and then they would bed off the property too. And I couldn't, you know, it's all private around there. So you're at the mercy of the boundaries, you know? So, right. And I just got too keyed yeah. in on, that's one thing I learned. I got too keyed in on those two bucks, man. Like I should have peeled off of them quicker. I think I threw the damn kitchen sink at them. And by the four, I know it, you know, Holy crap, man. I'm like at the, did they, you feel like they had your number? Yeah. Kind of like and that was the rut started up and I was, I knew better too. Like, yeah. Targeting Pacific bucks throwing yeah. her up, man. is just dumb. Like, <laughs> Big deer. Will do, I yeah. I, I agree, it, man. man. Big deer will I'm make so you do some stubborn, dumb shit dude. too. I, was, I willed yeah. myself. I'm like, I'm going to kill these, one of these bastards. You know, they pissed me off for a couple of weeks. So, yeah. So during the rut, man, yeah. I was in there, and then you're like, okay, maybe a hot doe will bring him by, and then it just never happened, dude. And I had hot does on other cameras and bucks on them and stuff, and I just didn't peel off of them in time. And then by the time I did get off those bucks, it was like, oh, crap. And I got to scramble around. It was just a train wreck, yeah. man. Like, I don't know. I do stupid stuff all the time, but I, I was in the game, man. Hey, look, like you got you to do, do what you got to do. You never yeah. know when one's going to roll through. Right. Exactly. What do you like to do with your cameras? Are you more um, like a transition? I mean, do you like putting your cameras right in, the like right off the bedding or scrapes? I, I know you've sent me a couple, like, pictures, that, you know, on some scrapes and stuff. Obviously, you're going to I'm a big mock camera on that, I like to make my own scrapes, I guess, man, adjacent to bedding. Yeah. So it's almost like yeah. a bedding scrape. And the best ones I like, if I find two bedding areas close together, I'll put a scrape in between, and mm -hmm. then I'll catch the dominant bucks from both bedding areas coming to that one scrape. So I love love mock scrapes, big into that. They're a lot of work, but I do get a lot of uh, pictures on them. Um, yeah. If I'm by bedding, I'll put my cell cams in there, or if I'm crazy deep, all cell cameras – if I'm hunting something close to the road or something to easy access transition, I'll run SD card cameras there because then I can just pop right in and check it. Um, I do a lot of soaker yeah. cameras too. Like in, if there are places I scouted postseason that I'm not really sure about, I'll just run a camera in there all year. I might not even I might not even go hunt it. I'll just leave the camera all year. Then like I'll go pull it here in a couple weeks and then see if there was any good bucks in there. Then for next year, I know, all right, well, this area does hold some good bucks that I wasn't really sure about. And then I was just hunting, you know, my target bucks. Um, yep. I don't really put cameras on food, man. I just, 
I don't know. I just never really cared about that as much. I always put them in transmission, so right in the bedding. No, that's that's really like my whole approach this year, man. I I did a whole lot more scrapes this year than I've ever done. Um, you know, I used to here in Kentucky we're, we're allowed to bait. I'm not really big on baiting, but what I would do is just in a few areas, like because. One of the places I have is like a big farm and I don't have much okay. of the woods that I'm yep. allowed to hunt. And, you know, I got you know what I'm saying? Like so I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm trying to like pull them out. So I use scrapes and every once in a while, like in early season, I'll dump some corn out and I'll just use it for, you know, monitoring like what bucks are where. And I mean, there's so many people around here that use giant bait piles and I like, it's just, yeah. Not to sound like you have to bait to like kill deer, and because because I certainly don't, but it's just for me, it's a good way to like monitor where some deer yeah, are, you know, too. around the farm. Because it's a pretty big area. I see guys put cameras out and then they throw yeah. like a bag of corn just to get some rapid intel. I've seen guys in Iowa do that, like in the summer, they just throw like a fifty pound yeah. bag of corn out or two out, and they bam, you get really quick intel. Right. I've seen guys run like those cattle tubs and they just put like a mineral block in it so it doesn't like soak down in the soil and then they'll run natural a month okay. just to get rapid intel and then you know they pull it out there's lots of different ways to skin a cat i just don't i just use scrape or... yeah do you like mineral at all or i mean are you uh are you not allowed to use um, mineral in, in i don't Iowa? mess with it man you can use it but only in the you got to pull it before deer season and if it's there you can only hunt so far off like trails okay. and crap i just don't even mess with it man i don't care i got corn you either no nah, <laughs> i wouldn't either i would just yeah, be a strictly like a scrape a guy myself 50 pound i mean that's the thing that's the thing yeah, around here. I'm just not carrying it too much. Yeah. yeah, dude, it's, it's so miles, expensive dude, this year. I'm not carrying a 50 pound bag. Heck no. Miles, <laughs> no. No. And I mean, all the public I have around here, it, that was my main focus, was just good bedding and scrapes. Um, I really just tried to focus on, like, I think I went out of my way to find access yeah. to places that nobody else did, and it just, yeah, it just it didn't happens, produce. Man. It is what it but, is. Like, you know. I'm yeah. with you. After all the years I'm thinking, all the big bucks I've killed, most all my really big giant bucks are on first-time sets. Uh, almost all yep. of them I don't have trail cam pictures of. And uh, just nothing, man. I was just like either I was hunting the bedding and they came out of the bedding or I was hunting bedding adjacent to some kind of food source and I cut them off in between and they were there. I'm not like a big time rut hunter. I don't really have a lot of rut bucks. Most of all my bucks are like early or late. Um, yeah. And the access thing, I tried to do that too. I hunted a lot of really odd places this year that you would almost feel like if someone seen you in the tree, man, you would just feel like an idiot. They'd be like, what yeah, the man, hell are you doing back here? Super low a bunch. <laughs> I hunted some gnarly trees, man. Like trees yeah. nobody would probably ever get. Oh, I know you. You're crazy ass. You go in yeah, there and hunt them honey I locusts, learned, don't you? I learned how to knock with the all the thorns, thorns off, dude. I you're nuts. A little, a little yeah. axe I use to pop some right off, and then if you lean out, um, is it noisy? Not too bad if you know what you're doing. Not bad. And if you do the, you can right. uh, 
I don't know, you can uh, prep the trees too, but I just go in there with it that day and just pop them right off. Just get a really sharp little hatchet deal. Okay. And you can just shave them off. It's funny because I thought about you because I have, we have one big honey locust on that farm and there's hardly any trees that are around there yeah. that I could hunt, but I could probably, if I could figure out a way to get in that son yeah, of a bitch, man. it'd be the one too. Cause dude, it's got a giant overhanging limb and all these bucks. Like, I mean, they made like pretty much a tabletop out of uh, this scrape. They just, it, it was a giant rectangular scrape underneath like the few limbs that were hanging down yeah, off that and I was low. blown away. And if you're in the saddle, man, you can lean away and out from all the spikes. You just need to clear a little. And if you got some yeah. climbing sticks, man, they kick you out away from the tree. You just need to make room for the for the sticks to go in there if there's spikes in the way. So it's not like I'm shaving off the whole damn tree. I'm just taking Pacific area. Well, that and you you said you hold your bow too. I'm not. Yeah. I don't hold my bow. I usually hang it like on a uh, hero clip. Uh, but, and the camera arm, I mean, that would be kind of difficult. I feel like, I guess not if you knock all no, the, knock them the off. stickers off there, that. but I don't know. They're just intimidating <laughs> to me. Like, I'm just like, hell, hell no. That's the last just damn remember, tree I'm ever going to no get No balls, in. no bucks. Like, just get it done, man. <laughs> Whatever it takes, dude. That little pocket <laughs> arm, man, it doesn't take a lot of room to get in that honey locust cell. Hold the bow. No, There's, it doesn't. Uh, there's some stuff coming out to assist with holding the bow. I don't know when it's coming out, but I ran some prototypes this year, and it's uh, awesome. Yeah, man. From Tethered? Yeah, it, it came out. Oh, I'm pretty sure no, it's, it's like the bow hanger you can hang on your... Uh... Okay, okay. Yeah, well, I picked awesome, one of them up. Uh, honestly, I like it. Yeah, that's pretty kick-ass. I really do like it. I uh, I only got to use it once. Um, I just really I just started scouting so much until I killed my buck recently. Like that's one thing this year that I've for certain yeah. I scouted you way more than I hunted. Do that. So if you're hunting def- more than you're helped. scouting and you're not killing anything, yeah. then you're, you need to swap. You need to flip that. Yeah. Yep. As soon as I changed my mo around and I switched my cameras, man, it was like it, it just took off. Yeah, like when, a few uh, days after that. So Jared came up here to I Iowa and we were hunting together, man. We put like 10 miles a day scouting, then we'd hunt. Man, we found so many bucks in five days. It was it was wild. Really? But, um, That's pretty sweet. <clears throat> yeah, always scout, man. Guys are scared to put their scent. And man, you'd be, you'd be surprised how often yeah. I walk in the area, walk all around and look around, then I hang a camera and leave, and then boom, there's a buck. He'll be there that night, and then the next day he's there. I mean, yep. I think one, yeah. It's total personality thing. I think some bucks don't give a shit, and then other bucks, man, like they get a slight whiff of yeah, man, it's, it's like, like they're uh, out of you there. You get these but... schoolyard, I call them junkyard bucks, schoolyard bucks. They're like bullies, man. It's almost like they will. Yeah. They're they're like willing you to kill them, man. Like they just won't leave no matter what you do. And like the other, the other thing is you get those little yep. wussy bucks that you fart wrong and buy them, you know, and they're gone forever, dude. Oh yeah. So it's interesting. It was kind of funny. I had a, a younger friend of mine ask me, he's like, well, do you think I should grunt? You know, like I, I love helping, you know, younger guys out that are just getting into this stuff. And I'm like, dude, if I look around the wall, like, I don't think 
I think there's only one buck that I grunted in, and it was my first archery buck, and he was like a I decent three year old. You know, I am convinced. And lots of experience, grunting and rattling is a no go for me, man. I've blown out more mature bucks by grunting and rattling, dude. Or yep, right when you do it, you yep. swing downwind and your ass is toast. I don't want. I want a hundred percent, hundred percent complete surprise. The only vocalization I'll make, and if it's, I know that buck's not coming. Like, all right, this is last ditch effort. I'll snort wheeze. That's my, yeah, the favorite thing to do. Snort wheeze, just yes. really loud, just blow it out there. I don't yep. grunt nothing else. Just snort wheeze at him until he hears you, and then you're at the mercy of whatever he wants to do after that. Yep. Yeah. I'm throwing a Hail Mary because it, it literally is. It's like the last thing I want to do, but I'll do it. And I have I have seen it work a couple times. Um, I think the buck that I recently killed yeah. was a lover, not a fighter, because <laughs> I've never seen a deer. Like, I'm pretty sure he was a five-year-old deer. I had him on camera last year. And, uh, dude, like, I mean, this buck didn't have a scratch on him. And I told a friend of mine, I was like, I guarantee you, if I would have grunted, he probably would have heard that, and I bet you he would have stayed yeah. back there and not came out to that field. Like, because I I don't know that maybe I'm dead wrong, but to me, I just don't feel like every deer out there wants to just come check out. Oh, well, there there was a buck that grunted. Yeah. Let me go see what's and up. You know, for whatever reason, not not every deer. Some of them are like old men, and they just want yeah. to be recluse. And not every you know mature I mean? buck is bothered. the dominant buck. There's smaller bucks that are dominant over the mature buck, and right. they're more like they're more docile. I've uh, I've rattled at some giant bucks, and they're like, oh, I don't want any part of that. But you get the young dumb one come flying right in there, right fight. You know? Oh yeah, always, always. It's always like <laughs> yeah. the the two year olds and you know and the spikes that come running into rattling, you whenever you rattle. I can't, I can't believe it. Doesn't work, but in my experience, like upper level mature deer, oh, yeah. most of the time are not going to come into that. They're going to get nervous when they don't see a deer, or they're going to swoop in downwind of you and light you up. Yeah. That's my experience. Or they're just going to. I've had it, or I just grunted at them. And they just blew the hell out of there instantly. They didn't even care, man. They were just gone. And I was like, oh, this yep. is stupid. I had a... Yep. Exactly. Especially yeah, hunting public because I feel like there's so many people that don't know what they're doing that go out there and just grunt like crazy. And it's like... Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've been there oh, too. Yeah, I've man. heard it plenty of times. <laughs> You're like, oh, well, here's this guy. You know, I got set up in an area this year. And it's money, and it, like I've scouted the shit out of this spot, yeah. and I'm like, I was in the tree to be in, and next thing you know, I hear this guy Dude, rattling, and I'm like, I was in Missouri, man. I'm in Missouri. Like, here we go. I'm hunting a beaver dam that transitions from corn to beans, and it's like really thick ridge, and it meets up with the CRP, and I'm I'm in this tree like ten foot up, and this kid comes through the beaver dam, is spraying that nose jammer crap all over him on the ground he's rolling he's barrel rolling <laughs> on the ground dude six playing and he's grunting man and he's spraying this crap everywhere oh, never sees no, me uh. dude i'm just looking at him like what the hell is going on dude and then he just keeps going on his way and i'm like what in the heck bro oh man yeah, you can't make that up. You should have recorded like, that what one. What the heck? And the kid never seen me either. I was like, I don't know how he didn't see me set up right here, but whatever. 
I got the hell down and got out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Dude, there's so many there's so many wild stories about public land. I mean, I feel like any any guy you talk to that's like a true public lander like has a great story or something stupid ass that you Dude, know they come wild, across. Man, here I there. had a I yeah. had a, it seemed like every time I hunted, some dumb crap would happen this year too. Like I had the worst luck, man. Like nobody would yeah. be there all week or whatever. And then I'd have this buck pattern. He was like daylight and boom, day one, day two, and I'd slide in there, and here comes like five guys into the public walking through bedding or blowing everything out or just some crazy crap, man. I was like, gosh, I just can't catch a break this year. I already have to be at work and the buck, it seemed like every time I was at work this year, the buck would daylight and I'm like, God, then I'd go hunt the next day, you know, (laughs) then he wouldn't show up. And I'm like, yeah, be crapping me right now. Yeah. That sucks, man. I had a couple of black labs come running through. I had a decent buck that was working his way through bedding and uh, a bunch of does. And then here comes, you know, two, two black labs. And I'm like, <laughs> all right, well, you know, yeah, man, public I land, like what do you do? Coyotes show up. Well, dude, it's. Coyotes show up this year. Go ahead. Deer out, bobcats. Oh, yeah. And then I started getting this, like, black yep. house cat on camera, like, on my cell cam, like, three miles back. Like, I was patterning this cat i was like what the heck no kidding it was the randomest thing i was like why (laughs) is this black house cat back here i mean not messing with yeah i gotta i gotta go after this bobcat man i got a bobcat that's hanging out at this one spot like on the regular like he's pretty patternable on the camera like on the on a regular in the evenings he's in there i I would like to get one mounted giant if it was a big bobcat this giant female bobcat in this one spot where that black cat was at like the cat would yeah. go through, and then the bobcat would go through, and I was like, I "Wonder if he got that cat?" Yeah, and the bobcat was probably hunting the house the cat, night, like on a dime, like the same time every night. And I'm like, "What the heck is going on?" But dude, that cat was a, that cat was amazing. They're cool looking, animals, man. I almost got a shot on it with my bow, but it was in too much oh, yeah. rush. But and I had some little pups with it too, so I was, in, I was like, "I'm just gonna let it go." But yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I'll tell you what, they're tough, man. If you I shoot one, like you gotta hit it good. I watched one survive a three hundred eight round, and I mean, it ran forever. I've done a lot I of trapping it when I was in college up here in Iowa. When I first moved up here, I'd done a ton of trap lines, and I got some bobcats. I trap; they're awesome. I got like river otters too. They're sweet, man. Like the two, like they're making big comebacks in Iowa. The bobcat and river otter, they're super sweet. That's pretty sweet. I just got into trapping a couple years ago, and then I started feeling bad because I just kind of got tired of dealing with the pelts, you know? And I wasn't catching coyotes. I kept catching foxes. And I'll tell you what, though, it really helped out with my turkey population here at my house. It really did, man. Like, we had a, I think, a a thing of pelts come through that was like 10 or 11. I think a lot of the decline of turkeys around the country is due to predators because, uh, the fur market track uh crash yeah. i was getting i was getting like 20 to 30 dollars per raccoon and then now it's like two bucks three bucks you know so yeah yeah and it's not even worth it it's a yeah. it's a job running a trap running is, like is a serious a thousand thing, man. traps man a lot of work when i was in college up here 
Every morning. Wow. I'd run them like 3 a.m. all the way to college and then go to school, come back, reset them on my way back, and then go deer hunting. Every day, man. It's insane. That's sick, man. I learned That's a dedication. lot. Dedication. Hell yeah. Well, Randall, it's uh it's been a blast talking to you, brother. I wanted to ask you one final question that we ask all of our uh, our guests on here and if you could put it in a nutshell, I guess like what would you say is one thing that really separates you versus a lot of the other guys out there? The time I put in the scouting, I think, and uh just the way my brain works, uh yeah. just I don't know, just understanding what's going on in the woods. Uh, it just takes a lot of experience and time, but I don't know. Some guys have it. Some guys don't. Um, just the way my brain works, I think I can just analyze everything a certain way. I think yeah. being a teacher helps too, because I got a lot of, you know, practice every day, teaching up people things. So I'm it like elevates your learning ability too, I think, but don't buy into all the bullshit. Like it's, it's not about gear. Yep. Just go kill the damn deer. Like no gear. No. You can have the fanciest camo gear, everything under the sun, and if you suck at hunting, you suck at hunting. You know what I mean? And if you're good at hunting, <laughs> if you're good, you're good, no, man. You... It don't matter what you got. You're going to be good. That's so spot on. I love it. Is there anybody you want to give a shout-out? And, like, how can our listeners uh, keep up Facebook, with you, man? I got Facebook, Instagram right now. Um, I got some other stuff in the works, but I haven't launched anything else yet. So mainly just Facebook, Instagram. Hit me up anytime glad to help anybody out um yeah i'm partnered with tethered ozio gear genesis 3d the Amsteel guy exodus arrows and uh the zinger fletches right on well Randall, i can't thank you enough man um we're gonna tag you in this so all of our guys will at least be able to catch up with you on instagram and facebook but thank you so much for joining us man it's been a pleasure having you on and uh Look forward to catching up with you again, yeah, man. man. I'd love to have you blast. back on here. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. All right, guys. We'll catch up with you next week. Appreciate you all tuning in. Thanks again for tuning in this week, guys. We really appreciate all of you and all the support. Um, I feel like the, the podcast is finally starting to get some traction. Um, I've noticed an uptick in you know, people reaching out to us and a lot more views lately and i just want to thank you all from the bottom of my heart uh it's been an exciting uh you know six months going on now and we uh we really do appreciate all you guys want to give a huge thanks to our sponsor lone wolf custom gear if you haven't checked them out online at lonewolfcustomgear.com they have a great sale going on right now you can get a 500 dollars gift card and save a hundred dollars on uh, your purchase so for any of you guys looking to get a stand or uh, upgrade your mobile system, it's a great deal. Get on it. We're going to close this one out with a segment from uh, Les Brown. It's a great quote that I really like. Les says, you must see your goals clearly and specifically before you can set out for them. Hold them in your mind until they become second nature. Uh, really, really love a, a lot of the stuff from Les Brown. Um, he's, he's a great motivational speaker and a lot of his stuff just seems to hit me. Um, and I hope you guys appreciate it. And uh, hope you guys can tune in next week with us. And Merry Christmas to you all. And we'll catch you next week.